Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult time for a lot of families, and uh, we pray that the Lord, even in this difficult time, you know, he's going to uh, show love towards his people. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. So, yes, last week, no, 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 no. On Friday, on Friday, we started this uh, message and we said it's a two-part series. So one of my friends was telling me on Sunday, he says, yeah, you, you are clever. You are finishing a sermon like a soap opera. You know, when you are just about to slap someone and say, oh, watch next week. <laughs> you know, so that you come next week. So that's why we said it's not going to finish so you can come next week. Amen. Now, uh, last week we said that um, everything started in Genesis. It did not start, it, I mean, in Genesis chapter 1, not in Genesis chapter 3. The problem of starting in Genesis chapter 3 is that the only uh, relevance God has is to get us out of the fall. But you must understand that the fall happened after he had created us and the purpose for creating us was not the fall. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, can you excuse me, uh, Shadi? One of these uh, uh, things is humming. If you can please just help me with it. You can just switch it off. Thank you. Now, so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says that in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, which means that it all started in the beginning, and in the beginning, there was a reason why God began the beginning. And the four cannot define why we are here. If why we are here is defined by the four, then we are getting it completely wrong. And if God for, forgets about the reason why he started the whole project and just concentrates on the four, then that also cannot be true. So we say that uh, the beginning was not a mistake. But you see, what happened is that when God uh, started the beginning, the Bible says he put man in the garden. Now, it all started in the garden and the garden was not a mistake. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. The garden was not a mistake. Now, the biggest problem that many of us have is that we are not seeing the garden as it is today. Remember when God said to man that he created man and put him in the garden, many of us think that when God put man in the garden, the garden was supposed to remain the same. So all of us today should have been living in this garden, you know, with a... Uh, uh, maize growing and everything. That was not the intention for God. When God put man in the garden, he said, cultivate it. Yeah. Do you know what to cultivate means? To cultivate does not only mean that you are supposed to grow maize. To cultivate means to bring out something from something. For example, when you, 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 you get something that has potential to become something, when that potential is cultivated, like for example, um, uh, if, 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 if you go to uh, a very rural place and then 
you develop the place and the place that has electricity and the place has roads that are tarred roads and it has beautiful houses and all that. That process of bringing something that was just a bush into something that is beautiful, that is what cultivation is all about. So when God said, cultivate the garden, what he was saying to Adam is that develop this garden. So what has happened now to our garden is that our garden has become a very sophisticated place. It has now, you know, uh, airports. You know, it has malls. I see what I mean. It has churches like what we are seeing today. Now this, this garden has evolved into not only having farmers, not only having a gardener, somebody who looks after the garden, but now we have pilots. We have chartered accountants. You know, we, 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 we have IT specialists. All these people are part of the garden. So the, 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 the thing is that many of us, when we are thinking of the garden, we are thinking of tomatoes and, and uh, roses and... Uh, are you seeing what I mean? That's not the garden. The garden is what we are today. Everything that is around here is the garden. So God... When he created man in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, he says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to cultivate it, to look after it, to steward his creation. Do you think that God just wanted Adam to remain undeveloped like that? Do you think that uh, uh, Adam was just supposed to stay in the garden and wait and all these years and, and today we'll just be, you know, walking around in the garden, you know? No. God started things in the garden. But when you look at the book of Revelation chapter 21, what do you see? It started off in the garden without roads, without concrete houses, just huts. Maybe Adam had a little hut with uh, a few branches as a roof and stuff like that. You see what I mean? But then, when you look at the book of Revelation, what do you see in the book of Revelation? You see a city, a full-fledged city. It's all part of the plan. If, if Adam did not sin, Genesis Genesis would have two chapters. Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And maybe the historical books of how God was going to just develop things. But then we would still have 22 and, 20, and 20, 21, 20 and 21 of Revelation. Because that was part of the plan. When you look at um, the way the, the, the Hebraic understanding of the day. I wanted to ask you a question this morning. When does the day start in the Bible? It starts six o'clock. Why? You see, the day in the Bible starts in the evening, like uh, Tammy is saying, not in the morning or at midnight. So when the sun is going down, that is the beginning of the day and it will end when it is setting again. The reason is very simple. It is a symbolism of what God did. He started, the Bible says, he started from chaos. In the beginning was, God created the what? The world. And the world was what? There was darkness and it was chaotic and everything was in disarray and then God out of the darkness and the chaos and everything he started to bring out order so the beginning is not order the beginning is chaos and darkness and everything and out of that 
And that is how he wants you to orient your life. He wants you to know that life must improve. That's why the day does not start with the sun. It starts with darkness and chaos and nothingness. So that it can improve. That's what he was saying. So when, when, when you look at the Bible, when you look at the story of man and the story of uh, humanity and the story of life itself, when the fall happened, it did not cancel what was happening. It disturbed it, but it did not cancel it. And because it just disturbed it, there was supposed to be a repentance a repair process. <laughs> a repair process. Now, the fall happened where? In real time, in the garden. The things went wrong in the garden. When we are rectifying it, where do you think it should happen? Where should it happen? It should happen in the garden. We can't repair it anywhere else. And to make sure that everything happens in the garden, Jesus, when he was going through the whole process of bringing redemption, he made sure that the symbolism does not, does not, get lost in translation like they say. He had to make sure that he does it exactly the way it happened in Genesis. Many of us read the Bible and they don't see that exactly what happened in the fall is exactly what Jesus did when he was redeeming us. And I'm going to show you. Now, when, when, when everything goes wrong in the garden, there is, a, there is a, a small phrase in Hebrew. In English, it's, it's called uh, world repair, to repair the world, you know? And in, in Hebrew, it's, it's called tikkun olam. Now, I am not very... I, I don't like to talk so much about uh, Greek and Hebrew, but those are things that I, I learned in school. I, I try to avoid that because most of the times, people do that to show that they are educated. <laughs> but you, oh, you must just know that that guy is educated. Just know that. I don't have to tell you that I am, isn't it? Because I spent so many years studying these things, and... Um, I speak in English, so I have to bring them in English. There's no need to bring them in. But for this one, let me tell you about Tikkun Olam. Okay? Now, Tikkun Olam is the idea that the world is profoundly broken. Sin broke the world, not just you as a human being, but the whole system. And because of that, God and man must get involved together so that they can repair the world and make it in the way that he wanted it to be. So the teamwork between God and man is here now and we are repairing this world. Now in Revelation chapter 21 verse 5, the Bible says, And then I saw, then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. What he was saying here is that Jesus is making all things new, not new things. That is why you as a human being, you are not supposed to be made new. You are, you, you, you are, you are still the same person, but you get saved. You are made new. The, 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 I make all things new, not new things. Amen? I gave an example of, uh, of a car. <clears throat> so a car, when it has a problem, 
we, 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 we repair it. But it's the same car, the same number plate and everything. But there's some things that we, we fix in there. We don't replace the whole car. Sometimes we do. That's, it, that's what is going on in our world today. The biggest problem we have is that most of the times we think about leaving this place. If you're one of those people that is thinking about leaving this place, you'll be very, very shocked when you go to heaven. Because God will tell you that you won't be here forever. We'll take you back. Read, read Revelation. Revelation says that uh, after a number of years, God sent them back to earth. This is, guys, this is not a mistake. This is not a mistake. And God doesn't want you to live as if this is a mistake. He, he wants you to live with him, reconciled, here on earth, having a great time. Expressing your gifts. You know, enjoying your relationships. You know, uh, having fun with your life. You know, not waiting. This is not a bus stop. Like something more important is in future. No. This is so important. And you need to uh, make sure that you and God, that team of you and God, must continue to uh, get, you know, uh, this world a better place. Now, when, when, when things go wrong in the garden, we have to make things right in the garden. But the most important thing that we have to understand is we have to shift our understanding of the garden because our understanding of the garden makes it difficult for many people to know that the garden has become a very sophisticated network of things. It's no longer rows of tomatoes and rows of uh, peanuts and, and no, this place has become so, it has evolved into what it is today and it is all part of the plan. You see, it is all part of the plan. You know, when, when, when you go to uh, um, uh, Mainland, when you go to that Mainland Mall and you look at that structure and you are sitting there in one of those uh, fancy you know restaurants and you order yourself you know a salon steak you know and uh, nice mushroom sauce on the side huh and they they come and they wait on you and uh, you are eating you know what you must do you must just tell us this is part of the plan It, it was meant to be like this. <laughs> it, it was meant to be like this. It's not like, it's not like, you know, because of sin. That's, no, it, it was meant like that. You know, you know one, one day you, you, you are going to Singapore and you rock into that uh, nice, you know, Oaratambo. You know, you sit in that uh, bid vest, you know, lounge there. You know, you sit in there. And they treat you like loyalty in there, you know. And uh, they pamper you and they do all kinds of things. And you go and you sit in that A380, you know, nice. And, and those girls, you know, wearing those things, they come to you and they are, what do you need? It's part of the plan. <laughs> this is just part of the plan. When, when, when you land in Singapore, and you see, you see all that stuff that you see there. You know, you know how it looks there. Or you land in Hong Kong, you know, you, you land on water like that, you know. Pie, this is part of the plan. It's, it's all part of the plan. It was, it, that's how it was meant to be. That's how it was. This, that's, this, this is now the garden. This is what has become of God's garden. And you as a human being, you have been given stewardship of that garden. And it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. You know, I, I, I was driving into, I was driving into this uh, car park this morning, you know. 
I'm, as I'm driving into this car park, I see somebody has parked that, that, uh, that uh, big GL whatever there, you know, and I was, it's part of the plan, you know. Dri- drive it with pride, my brother or my sister, whoever you are, it's part of the plan. That, that thing was in God. That thing was in God. It did not come out of sin. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, when you go into that corner office with the, the view of Pretoria, it's part of the plan. <laughs> you know, that is what God came to save, that that should continue. He did not come to save you so that you can wait here and go to heaven. No, he saved you so that part of the plan can continue, so that the part of the plan can continue. Yes, yes. One day, when, one day when you are shopping in Fifth Avenue in New York, Take a tour into the Trump Towers there. Go and see. It's part of the plan. This hall is part of the plan. You see? It's part of the plan. It's, it's the garden. That's what the garden has become. The garden is no longer. You know, many of you think about the garden, you, you, you think that all of us will just be walking around roses and, and uh, uh, proteas. And <laughs> no, no, no. This is what has become of the plan. Lights, computers, you know, beautiful things. When God is looking down, he says, yeah, they're getting it. Yeah. These guys are doing well. Mm. That is why if your life is not improving, you are not living the plan of God. Because your life must come out of darkness, out of nothingness, out of chaos, and it has to, to bring order. Because that's how God started. He said, in the beginning God created the, world, the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. And, 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 and the, the, the spirit of the Lord was hovering over all the chaos and everything. But then God started to bring order out of that. And that's how your life must be. It has to move from a garden that is just a nothing to a city. When you look at the garden, there is no order in the garden. Apart from uh, just uh, rows of what. But a city is orderly. It's got streets. It's got plumbing systems. It's got electricity systems and all these things. That is all part of the plan. Now, I told you last week that I was going to prove to you that when Jesus came to save us, he had to do the opposite of what happened in the garden. But he had to do everything in the garden. And you are about to get excited this morning. You are about to get flabbergasted this morning. And I'm, I am going to flabbergast you this morning. Amen. Now let's, let's look, let's start the journey. Jesus says to his friends, guys, find a place where we can go and have the Passover. And they find a place of a guy and they go and they have Passover in this guy's house. And then Jesus says to them, guys, one of you here is going to betray me. And you know, everyone starts asking, ah, Lord, is it me? Including Judas. You, you, you know how sometimes people pretend, you know? But Judas had already known that it was him, you know? But he was also saying, Lord, is it me? You know? But you see, something happens when Jesus realizes that these guys are about to do what? To arrest me. 
through the word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit tells him, it is now time. Now look at Luke chapter 22 verse 39. When Jesus had spoken these words, which words? The things that he had been talking about, isn't it? Who is going to betray me and, and uh, all those things. The Bible says he went with his disciples over the brook Kidron where there was a what? Where there was a what? Which he and his disciples did what? Where did they enter, ladies and gentlemen? Do you think it's coincidence? Jesus knew that the time to get things done had come. And then the Bible says he left the house. He could have stayed in the house. He knew Judas knew where he was. But he leaves the house. And the Bible says he goes to a garden. And uh, many of us, we know uh, uh, other, I think it's in John or in, 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 in Matthew where it is even saying, it's the garden of Gethsemane. Are you seeing what I mean? He could have stayed and waited in the house for the people to arrest him, but he knew that no, 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 no. Now the time has come. This whole thing started in the garden and we have to fix the garden. Luke chapter 22, verse 44 to 45. Now he is in the garden. Now he is praying in the garden. But you see, the thing is that as he is praying, these guys that he is with are sleeping. And a couple of times he has to come to them to ask them, guys, let us pray. Can't you pray just for one hour? No, they didn't know what was happening. They were in distress and all those things. Maybe the questions he was asking them, they distressed them and they started to sleep. Now in verse 44, it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly than his sweat. Where do you remember God talked about the sweat? He, say, he said, out of the sweat of your brow, you shall toil to eat your food. But then when he is in the garden of Eden, I mean in the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says he sweated. Where does the sweat come from? The sweat comes from the brow like this. And the Bible says, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. What did God say in the Garden of Eden? He says, the ground is cursed. He says, this ground is cursed. Cursed is the ground and out of it will grow thickles, thistles and jackrabbits and all these things and you will toil. And then in the garden, the Bible says he sweats. And his blood doesn't drop on his clothes. Where does the blood drop? Why does it drop to the ground? Because redemption blood has to touch the ground. Your garden has been redeemed. And your ground has been redeemed. And everything that you do has been redeemed. When he says you will toil, it's no longer time to toil. Because your ground. Remember there's a difference between toiling and working. Toiling is working without results. Or working with hard labor and get very little results. But working is part of the plan. It's part of to cultivate. The Bible says in the Passion Translation, it says he prayed even more passionately. Like one being sacrificed. Because he was. Until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat 
became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. Where is it happening? In the garden. Where in Genesis chapter 3, 17, the Lord says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. God hates sweat. And sweat is not part of God's plan. Toiling is not part of God's plan. When you are toiling, it means that what is happening is that that curse to, to grow things to oppose you is still active. What you need to do is that when you are working, you need to get results. Good results. In Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 17 to 18, it says, And it shall be. Whenever they enter the gates of the inner court, that they shall put on linen garments, no wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen trousers on their bodies. They shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. When you read going down, it says, if they sweat in my presence, I will kill them. So when a priest sweats while administering in the temple, God would kill them. Because it is showing that you are using your own strength and your own power to do something. I mean, so it's, it's very important for us to understand that when God created us to be stewards of the garden, we are going to work, but God wants our work to work. That is why I get very excited when I hear testimonies of people's lives that are improving. If, if I am your pastor, and you come here wearing flip-flops and not smelling nice. And then five years later, you are still wearing flip-flops and smelling the same. That's a problem for me. <laughs> it's a very big problem for me. I want you to come here wearing flip-flops, not smelling nice after six months. At least you can smell a little better. Yeah. After one year, you must smell good. Yeah. After five years, ladies and gentlemen, it must be a completely different story. Why? Because God wants that for you. Things must work for you. Things must work for you. Now, you can see Jesus, the first step. He realizes it's happening now. Where does he go? into the garden. He sweats. And as he sweats, the drop goes right down into the ground in the garden. Now look at this story in John. The same story continues. In John chapter 19, they come, they arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane and they take him to the governor to go and get charged. Then they took the body of Jesus. Now after they, they have killed him on the cross. A guy called Joseph of Arimathea. And a guy called, uh, uh, what is the other guy's name? The guy that came to Jesus at night. Nicodemus. Why do you think Nicodemus and Joseph buried Jesus? Why not the disciples 
like James, John, and Peter, and all those guys. Why did they run away? They were scared. You must read your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Joseph of Arimathea, there is actually, they even talk about the description of what type of person he is. What type of person is he? The Bible says he is a rich man. You see, when you have a problem of that nature, It is not easy to sort it out with people that are not in that space. It's not anyone that, that can pick up the call and say, hey, uh, uh, Mr. Ramaphosa, uh, I will go and get that body. And Mr. Ramaphosa will be like, uh, come on, man. I said, yes, I'm telling you now. You know why? There are certain people that can do that, even in this country. He was one of those people. And he said to the governor, the Bible says he went to the governor. Who goes to the governor? These guys were killers. They would kill you just like that in front of everybody. This guy went to him and says, I'm going to bury that guy. Because I was his disciple. He says, are you going to do that? He says, yes, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to actually put him in my tomb. Where no one else, that is the tomb that I have bought, only rich people buried, got buried in special tombs of their own. Everybody was buried to the normal cemetery. So this guy says, he goes to the governor and says, I will take him and I will, I will bury him. Now look at this uh, uh, 40 and to, to 42, it says, then they took the body of Jesus and bowed it in strips. Of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now, <laughs> listen to this. What does it say? Now, in the place where he was crucified, in the place. Where he was crucified. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not coincidence. Even the Romans didn't know. They had to put a cross next to the garden. Without them knowing what is going on. And it says, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had been laid. That's where they put Jesus. They buried him where? In the garden. On Friday. This morning on Sunday. Listen to what happens in the morning. But Mary stood outside. John chapter 20, 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. When she had gone to go and see the bodies that they can now go and bury it normally. And as, as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. So here is Jesus. He is now resurrected and he is in the garden and Mary and the other ladies have come to the, to the, to the tomb because that they were putting him there to bury him the next uh, week. Now, in verse 15, it says, Jesus said to her. Now this is Jesus. And this Mary had been with Jesus all these years. So Jesus said to her, why are you weeping? Whom 
are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener. Who was the, the first gardener? Who was the first gardener? When God created man, the Bible says he put him where? So the person who looks after the garden is what? When Adam was created, he was put in the garden and he was given an instruction, take care of the garden. The people that take care of gardens are called gardeners. All of us here are gardeners in our own right now. But what happened, symbolically, symbolically speaking, he had to make sure that it is as exactly as it was when it was going wrong. Supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Look, this woman looks at Jesus and thinks that Jesus is the gardener. And it's not coincidence. It's because when God is doing anything, he uses a code. He uses symbols. And it has to be exactly, exactly the same way that it happened. If it has to be reversed. So Adam was chased from the garden when, when this guy, when, when, when Jesus realized that it's time to go and get back the garden, where does he go? Into the garden, back into the garden. In the garden, he gets arrested. He is taken out. He is charged. He is crucified next to the garden. And when they take him out of the cross, they say to, to themselves, today is the Passover day. We don't bury people. Let us put him in that tomb. On Monday, we will come back. On Sunday, we will come back. And we are going to, to bury him properly. So, to them, it was a temporary situation. But to God... To God, he knew that this must happen. Why would Jesus deliberately go to the garden when he could have remained in the house? Was it a coincidence? No. Why would, why would they put a cross next to a garden? Is it coincidence? No. In the Hebrew language, there is no word for coincidence. And if you have studied Hebrew, you will be told that anything that has no word in Hebrew, it means it's not a reality. Did you know that there is no word in Hebrew for fair? Because there is no fair. We created it. So when your son say, no, it's not fair. Yes, tell him, it's not fair. Because fair is not a reality. So you see, in God, there is nothing that happens by coincidence. That is why the Bible says even the very negative things that happen to you, that is why the Bible says and God works everything yeah. 
for your own good. Because even the most difficult situation, God is able to take that situation and use it as part of the plan. Because with God, do you, do you think that God wakes up in the middle? Oh, oh, oh what happened? Guys, what happened? Oh, no. No. Even before they even started doing whatever, even before Adam sinned, God had a plan. Even when Jesus was coming here, God had a plan. And he knew these guys, they will plant a garden next to there. When it happens, Jesus will come from there. He will go to the garden. And, and everything was happening in the garden. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this has serious implications. The implication is that God saved the whole of your life. Everything around it was saved. Because he didn't just save you and your soul. The Bible says he saved the whole garden. The whole garden. There is no reason whatsoever for you to leave other parts of your life lying in the hands of the enemy. God did not just save your soul. God saved your whole life. Your whole life. You need to look around you and see what part of your life is still outside the garden. Because, you, sorry, what part of your life is still in the hands of the enemy. Because you know what? Your garden was redeemed. And there is no reason whatsoever for any part of your life to still be under the bondage of the enemy. In the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 it says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Ladies and gentlemen, take your stand against anything. Against anything that is taking away your joy in the garden. Take a stand. Be free. Be free in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus saved your garden. Amen. Amen. Your garden has been saved. Everything in the garden has been saved. It is now time for you to go and get everything that is in the hands of the enemy. Let us stand. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Your garden has been, has been, your garden has been saved. It is not coincidence that everything happened in the garden because everything went wrong in the garden. So, Lord, I thank you this morning. I bless you and I honor you this morning because I know that everything in this world was reconciled back to you. The garden which has become all this sophisticated network of human interactions has now been saved. So, if you are here today and you are still doubting about your your salvation I just, I just want you to raise your hand this morning or if you are here today and you are saying you know what uh, Pastor Ken I really want to give my life to the Lord this morning 
I just want you to raise your hand. I won't ask you to come to the front, but wherever you are this morning, I just want you to raise your hand and we are going to just, uh, please just put that hand a little bit higher. I see a few hands that are there. Okay. Uh, anyone else that wants to give their lives to the Lord this morning? I can see those hands. I can see those hands. So what we are going to do, you can put those hands down. What I'm going to ask all of you that raised your hands this morning. I saw about, counted about 13 hands that were raised. I want you after the service, please, to just stay for a little bit longer. There's going to be someone that is going to stand here. Uh, those our ashes they will stand here they're going to just get your name and then we would want to help you to walk to grow in your walk with the Lord is that okay so let's all close our eyes as we are going to just help these our brothers and sisters as they are going to pray this very significant prayer in your life and I want you to just pray after me say Lord Jesus I come to you today. Thank you for saving me and for saving my life. I come to you today and I bring my life to you. I bring my heart to you. I believe you died for me and I receive your salvation. I receive your salvation. Father God, thank you for saving me, for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me I receive in my heart the salvation that he bought for me in Jesus name Amen yes yes thank you bless your name Lord we thank you so much today we honor you and we pray that each and every one of these that has given their life to the Lord today that you will walk with them and thank you for everyone that is here today that has heard your word. Knowing that Lord their garden has been saved. There is no reason whatsoever to leave any part of their lives in the hands of the enemy. So we pray today in Jesus name that you will hold them by their hands. And you will lead them and you will guide them in Jesus name. And everybody shouted Amen. Yeah.